Pray with me. Father, again, I thank you right now for the opportunity to come and to share your word. I pray right now, dear God, that my head doesn't get in the way, but my heart stays in the way because it's my heart that you will speak to right now. Um, thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee. So, Lord, move me out of the way. Share what you will share with this, thy so great a people. Encourage us in seasons where our faith may be disrupted to keep on pressing and keep on praying. This is the way that we achieve that which we desire in you. In Jesus' name, all of those who love the Lord said amen. I want to share with you from Psalm 13 on today, and I'm again reading from the Passion Translation of Scripture. Here is what the Bible says in Psalm 13 in its entirety. I am hurting, Lord. Will you forget me forever? How much longer, Lord? He then goes on to say, will you look the other way when I'm in need? How much longer must I cling to constant grief? I've endured the shaking of my soul. How much longer will my enemy have the upper hand? It's been long enough. Verse 3 and 4 say, take a good look at me, God, and answer me. Breathe your life into my spirit. Bring light to my eyes in this pitch black darkness or I will sleep the sleep of death. Don't let my enemy proclaim I prevailed over him, for all my adversaries will celebrate when I fall. Verse 5 says, Lord, I've always trusted in your kindness, so help me. I will yet celebrate with passion and joy when your salvation lifts me up. Verse 6 says, I will sing my song of joy to you, O Most High, for in all of this you have strengthened my soul. My enemies say that I have no Savior, but I know that I have one in you. I want to talk just for a few minutes from this thought, the upside of a disrupted faith. The upside of a disrupted faith. If you would, think along these lines with me for a moment because mountaintop moments are always what we desire in our walk with the Lord. It is the mountaintop that we desire to be on. It is the place that we desire to go so we can be up high and enjoy the things that are good and comfortable in life. It is why we should not look down on Peter because Peter said in Matthew chapter 17, verse number four, he said when he was up on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus Christ, he said, why don't we just build three tabernacles and stay right here? You see, it is in the mountaintop moments where our faith is strong. It is in the mountaintop moment when everything is going well in our life. It is in the mountaintop moment where we are highest and we feel absolutely best in our walk with the Lord. It's where our faith is flourishing. It's where things seem to be going their best. It's when the outlook of life is right where we want it to be. Your marriage is better when you're in the mountaintop moment because she's smiling at you and your shoulders are strong and you're carrying the weight of life. The children are doing well. Oh, that is a mountaintop moment. When you're on your job at a mountaintop moment, everyone is cooperative and working well together and things seem to be flourishing and going just as you want them to be. On the mountaintop moments for me in ministry, the music is always great. 
The word is flowing. People are getting long and the budget is made and there's no trouble anywhere around us. The doors are open and people are joining every Sunday. But I would share with you, my brother and my sister, we don't always live in mountaintop moments. Yeah, that's right, because there are some times in our life that we don't find ourselves in mountaintop moments in our faith. Because if life were made up only of mountaintop moments, then our faith would never flourish as it ought to flourish. You see, the high points of our faith are like mountaintop experiences. Mountaintops are picturesque and pretty. The elevation casts all of our cares away from us. The air is fresh and clear, and everything looks good from the mountaintop. But I want to share with you that there are some other mountaintop experiences that you ought not to throw away because it is in those mountaintop moments where your faith is flourishing and developing and you're growing stronger than you've ever been before. There's a mountaintop moment sometimes when you don't have everything you need, but you learn how to trust in the Lord. It is where we experience God in a new way. And I want to suggest to you that when things aren't going well, don't you throw that moment away because that's a mountaintop moment as well. Can I help you a little bit in here today? Here's what I want to share with you. It is in the mountaintop moment that we move through the channels of orientation, disorientation, and reorientation to God. That's right. That's what David is doing right here. David, the sweet psalmist of Israel, is the writer in Psalm number 13. And what I love about this psalm is that David does not give up just because he is having a disrupted faith on the mountaintop. Read what he said. Look at it very carefully. He's confessing that he's hurting and he feels like God is far away from him. But I need to help somebody in here today. There are moments in your life when you will be playing Marvin Gay. You won't always be saying, great is thy faithfulness, but you'll be saying, Lord, what's going on? That's what David is doing right here. He's saying, what's going on? He said, God, I don't see you. I can't feel you. I'm hurting, and I don't know what's happening right here. Oh, but I love this, because if you stay with this psalm, uh, this is one of the sweetest and the best psalms in all of Scripture. I like this, because here the psalmist David, in Psalm number 13, he's experienced a mountaintop moment with the master. He's had some mountaintop moments. You should tweet it, you should text it, you should tell somebody. We've all had some mountaintop moments. You see, the mountaintop moments with David, if you'll be real with yourself, have already happened. He is in Psalm 13, but I need to tell you, just a few days ago, it was this same David who was having mountaintop moments in his faith, and everything was going just fine. Can I walk it down for just a moment? See, David moves from having mountaintop moments where he is saying, great is thy faithfulness, to then going to the anthology once again of Marvin Gaye and saying it makes me want to holler and throw up both my hands. Look at uh, 1 Samuel 
Chronicles 16, he is announced and anointed to be the next king of all of Israel. You go to second, 1 Samuel 17, he's annihilating his adversary, Goliath. If you keep moving in chapter 18, now Saul is after him and wants to assassinate him. Stop, wait a minute, hold up, rewind, go back, yellow flag on the play. Something ain't right right here. How is it that you move from being announced and anointed to now wondering why is this man trying to kill me? It's happening. It's very clear to me in this text. He is announced and anointed. He is the man. He's annihilated his adversary, Goliath. But now Saul is trying to kill him. Saul is after him, trying to assassinate him. And by the time David gets to Psalm 13, fleeing from his enemy, he feels abandoned and alone, and he feels like he's out of touch with God. There are times in our life, if I can be real with you, where we have a January and a February, and then a March 2020 comes along, and by the time we get to the end of the year, the beginning of the next year, we start asking questions like David asked. You don't want to say it. You don't want to act like it. But I need to be real with about few of y'all in this audience right now is that you've had some moments in your life when you were on top and all of a sudden you felt yourself spiraling and sliding and wondering how did we get down here? Here's David, if you will. He's already been at a mountaintop experience with the Lord. But if you look at Psalm 13, it's just another mountaintop. Ah, I know how do you say, well, Pastor, how? How do you say this is a mountaintop with all that David is saying? You see, David is fleeing from his life, and he is in the mountains. He goes into the caves, and he is being pursued by Saul. And I need to tell you that all of your mountaintops are not the same, but they are just as good of an experience with the Lord. So don't throw them away because you need some mountaintop experiences when things don't look like the high and the mighty, but they are when you are close to going in the valley and God meets you right there and tells you the same God who you met on the mountain is the same God that will walk you through the valley. I ought to have somebody here that knows good and well that the same God that met you on the mountain, he can take care of you in the cave and he can walk with you through the valley until you get to the other side. Here's David. I like it. I like it. Watch what he does. He's honest. David's faith is being disrupted, but it's not in disrepair. I like that. I tell somebody my faith has been disrupted, but it's not beyond repair. Uh, my faith has been disrupted, but it's not in a state of disrepair. As a matter of fact, I've taken some hits, I've taken some wounds, and I've had to sit out some seasons. Lord, help me in here. I've had to bandage myself up. I didn't leave the game. I just went to the locker room so I could come back for the second half. Here is what happens. This makes me glad because David is now being honest with God. I'm going to walk through it and I'm going to get out of your way because it's very clear to me in the text. But what I like about this is that if you stay with God, you can have a few things in your life. You can move from being abandoned to feeling affirmed. You can come out in pain but end up in praise. You can move from moaning and get to your music. You can go from confusion to clarity. You can go from having sorrow to singing a song and then you can shout when it's all over. Let me walk through it one more time because some of y'all missed it. In the beginning he feels abandoned but by the end he feels affirmed. In the beginning he's in pain but in the end he's lifting his hand in praise. In the 
beginning, he's moaning, but in the end, he's singing music. In the beginning, he's confused, but by the end, he gets some clarity. In the beginning, he's sorrowful, but in the end, he's singing a song. Do I have anybody in here that's ever been there a time or two in your life? Tell somebody, I've been there. I know what it feels like. I'm glad I stayed in there because in my disrupted faith moment, God developed me through my disruption. I need to get out of here. I need to help you with one thing. Disruption is a tool that God uses to frustrate the frequency of our complacent cries. Oh, Lord, what are you talking about, Pastor? Sometimes we ain't praying like we ought to pray. Uh, sometimes we've gotten so comfortable and complacent in our conversations with the Lord, and when the Lord wants to take you higher, disruption of where you are will take you to a place you've never been before. I'm about to bless somebody in here today because you're about to go where you've never been before in your faith and you don't even know it. You're about to go higher in your faith and you thought your faith was broken. I need to tell you, your faith was not broken, but it is about to be blessed. Your faith is disrupted, but it is not beyond disrepair. Your faith was in, it was in a situation where you were looking like it was sad, but I need to tell you, you're about to move from your sorrow to a song because God will be with you even in your disrupted moments. What are you talking about, Pastor David? Look at what he's going through. Let me get out of your way. Verses 1 and 2, watch what happens. David says, I'm hurting, Lord. Will you forget me forever? I, I like this because he makes an intimate confession. Uh -huh, write that down in your notes. He makes an intimate confession. You need to learn how to make an intimate confession. Now, I, I need to say this because some of us don't never really tell folk how we really feel. Lord, help me in here. Uh, you don't ever tell your neighbor how you really feel. You don't even always tell your family how you really feel. Some of us will even reword or modify the sentence when we're talking to our loved ones about how we really feel. But when you talk to the Lord, I need to help you in here. He already knows how you feel. And because he already knows how you feel, you are not to hold back when it's time to have a conversation with the Lord. I like what David said. He said, how long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? In other words, I feel like you have abandoned me. I feel like you are far from me. I feel like you left me in a situation all by my Myself. Now, ain't nothing wrong with my faith. I'm just saying what I'm saying because I'm feeling what I'm feeling. How long, Lord? Look at what he says. He makes an intimate confession. Here's the, here's the upside of a disruptive faith. You can talk to God like you need to talk to God. You, you, you can have an intimate confession with the Lord. I believe some of us need to have some sweet talk with God. That's what I call it. Uh, we need to just say, Lord, this is how I feel. Now, now I, I might be wrong about it. You, you, you big G-O-D and all that, but I'm feeling real rough down here. Uh, I, I, I don't feel like what you say I am. Uh, what I've been requesting and what I've been receiving are not lining up. 
something don't feel right, it don't look right, and, and I need you to come see. As a matter of fact, if I can be honest, it even gets to a point where I start looking at folk around me. I know y'all ain't gonna shout with me on this, but I start looking at the folk around me, and I said, now look here, God. Look like even these folk over here who ain't trying to do what I'm trying to do are getting off better than I am. He makes an intimate confession with the Lord. He said, how much longer will you look the other way when I'm in need? I, 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 don't you know, I opened up more bills than I got money in my bank account. Didn't you see me the other day, God, I got more month left over than I got money in my bank? Did, did you not know, God, that, that, that my EBT card is on zero, and yet I, I still don't have what I need in the house? God, how long will I deal with this constant grief? How long, dear God, must I endure this shaking in my soul? This thing has gotten to the inside of me. Now, you have anointed and announced me to be somebody with a destiny. You have told everybody that you got your hands on me. You have told everybody that I am your child, and, and I'm a man after your own heart, and I'm the sweet psalmist of Israel, but yet my life don't look like all the stuff that's going on around me. As a Matter of fact, you've announced me and anointed me. I have annihilated my adversary, but yet I feel abandoned and alone. That's what he's saying. But here's what I like in a disrupted faith moment. You can still have intimate conversation and confession with the Lord. I like this. Uh, he said, Lord, I need to make an intimate confession with you in this conversation I'm about to have. He says, Lord, how much longer... Must I cling to this grief and endure this shaking of my soul? Uh, how much longer will my enemy have the upper hand? Uh, I don't like that. Folk around me have declared themselves to be my enemy and look like they winning. But can I give you the next point in this piece? Look at verse 3 and 4. He moves from making intimate confession through conversation and extends an invitation for God to come closer. Now, I, I like that because here is what David knew. He knew that he couldn't get in a situation that the Lord was afraid to get into with him. Here's what he says. Take a good look at me, God, and answer me. Breathe your life into my spirit. Bring light to my eyes in this pitch black darkness or I will sleep the sleep of death. Don't let my enemy proclaim I have prevailed over him. For all my adversaries will celebrate when I fall. Uh, go back, Pastor. You went through that too fast. Here's what he said. He says, Lord, even in what I'm in, Lord, help me in here. He said, if I can't get out of it, would you come get in it with me? And I don't know how many of y'all in here right now that are in situations where you feel like it's inescapable. But even if you can't get out, you ought to get your Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego dance together and tell God. God to come get in the fire with you because when the Lord gets in the fire with you, it will not burn your clothes. It will not leave a scent on you. He will provide and protect even in your situation. What are you saying, preacher? He makes this intimate confession through conversation. Then he says, now, Lord, I want to give you an invitation to come closer. That's what I'm going to do. I, I, I want you. Uh, as a matter of fact, he said, come check me out. I like this. Uh, uh, please get this. Because here's what I like about the Passion Translation. It says, take a good look at me. 
Now, now I like this. In, in, in your text, it probably says in NIV, look on me. And some of the others say, examine me. Search me. Here's what he's really saying. I ain't always right. But where I'm wrong, tell me, and I'll fix it if I can. I don't want to be in the situation that I'm in. <sighs> that's good stuff right there. Uh, that's, that's a true conversation with the Lord. He extends an invitation for God to come. Now, look, he didn't get everybody in his business. I like that. He does not get everybody and everything in his situation. Uh, sometimes you need to go in the secret place and have a conversation with the master where you and the master are one-on-one, -on -one, mano y mano, ready to sit down and have a real conversation. Here's what he says, take a good look at me, God, and answer me. He says, look, breathe your life into my spirit. I'm all out. I don't have anything left. I'm, I done spent everything I had. I'm bankrupt. He said, give light to my eyes or I will sleep the sleep. I'm not going to be any good. I'm not going to make it to tomorrow if you don't come into this situation today. I like it. He extends an invitation for God to come closer after he has an intimate confession with the master. And then things begin to shift. I told you he moved from his point of orientation where he was a mountaintop high person understanding God to his season of disorientation where he was confused by what was going on at the hand of God. But then I like it when God begins to give us a sense of reorientation in the things that we're going through. Lord, help me in here. Uh, uh, we are oftentimes in a season of orientation where everything is going well. The job is new. Everything is fresh. The paychecks are rolling in. Uh, the clothes are fitting just like we want to. Our health is not failing. The car is running. The house note is perfectly paid. But then we go through seasons of disorientation where nothing seems to be going right. Things are not flowing as they should. But thanks be unto God if you keep walking with the Lord, crying out to the Lord and remaining faithful to the Lord, he will begin to reorient you and bring you back into reality and let you know, my child, not only have I not left you, but I'm still right here with you and everything is going to be all right. Well, what do you see, preacher? What do you see? Verse 5, look at it. He begins to have insightful contemplation. Uh, he says, Lord, you know, I've always trusted in your kindness. He says, uh, so answer me. I will yet celebrate with passion and joy. Now, uh, notice you don't see the words passion and joy in verses 1, 2, 3, and 4. You see words like death and grief, and sadness, and questions like how long, where you at, where you been, are you hiding from me, how long must I wrestle with these thoughts, my enemies are getting the best of me, but by the time we get to verse 5, he said, but I tell you what, I trust in your unfailing love, my heart rejoices in your salvation, in other words, he starts to have insightful contemplation. What is insightful contemplation, Pastor? I'm glad you asked. It's just a fancy way of saying he looked back and saw what the Lord had already done. Oh, Lord, I wish I had some help in here right now. But when you've been on the mountaintop with God and you are now seeming a little disoriented about your walk with God, all you need to do is remember what God has already done. Can you take a moment and have some insightful contemplation and recall what God has already done? Is there anybody in here? 
here that has ever had a test that you made it through because if you got a test that you made it through you got a testimony to tell somebody ought to have somebody in here that right now wherever you are you can high five somebody or shake your own hand and tell somebody I not only passed the test but I have a testimony here is what he does. He begins to have insightful contemplation. Ah, that disruptive faith had the best of him, verses 1 and 2. Had him by his ankles in verses 3 and 4. But I see him making his way to praise territory. In other words, he done sat in the sanctuary with his arms folded like some of us and pouted through devotion. He sat in the sanctuary and pouted through the deacons reading scripture. He sat in the sanctuary and he didn't get up and shake nobody's hand because he was still in a place where his faith was disrupted. But then by the time the hymn of preparation came around, his arms had loosened up. And then he started standing up when the preacher started preaching real good. And before you know it, he done moved from folded arms to lifted hands. And then you see him start easing out in the aisle. You know how y'all do when you're about to get your real shout off because you don't want to be on the pew next to nobody, but you just want to get in the aisle and start walking a little bit. David has made his way to the aisle because he looked back and he saw what the Lord had done. I feel my help in here this morning because what he's doing is he's saying, Lord, I've seen what you've already done. And even if you don't move because God has yet to answer him, but he's already answered himself in his soul. He said, when I think of the goodness of the Lord and all he's done for me, is there anybody in here that can just say, yeah, I thought about it. I realized it. It went through my mind. I thought about it. I looked back over my life. I saw what the Lord did. I remember where he brought me from. I remember how he healed me. I remember how he made a way out of no way. Remember how he put clothes on my back, shoes on my feet, food on my table, a roof over my head. Is there anybody who can just say, I remember what God has done? Here David is, he's moved from pouting to praising. He's moved from confusion to clarity. He's moved from pain to praise. He was moaning, now he's making music. What do you mean, Pastor? Verse 6, and I get out of your way. Look at what verse 6 says. I will sing. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute, Dave. When we start talking to you, you said, I am hurting. Verse 1. Look at what verse 1 says, the Passion Translation. I am hurting. Will you forget me forever? But now verse 6, you're about to close the song out. And you say, I will sing my song of joy to you. Now, wait a minute. Let me make sure I got this right. Hold up. Rewind. In the beginning, you were asking God, where are you? What you up to? Can't you see what's happening in my life? You are asking questions and saying, God, come see about me. And I ain't heard the Lord say nothing yet. But on the inside, 
you come out with an indestructible confidence. What do you mean, preacher? He said, I will sing my song of joy to you, the most high. For in all of this, you've strengthened my soul. Good evening, good morning, goodbye, wherever you are. I like it when it get good like this. He said, Lord, you didn't do anything for me. You didn't put no new tires on my car. You did not do anything at my house. The same folk that was talking about me still talking about me. Oh, but my soul got the news. And down on the inside, cries holy in my soul. Is there anybody in here? When your soul get the news, it don't matter how your flesh feel because now you have an indestructible confidence in God and you believe God can do anything but fail. Preacher, what you talking about? He comes out with an indestructible confidence in God. Look at what he says. I will sing my song. He done made up a song. He done, he, he, he done made up a song. And it's a joyful song to you, the Most High. For in all of this, huh? in all of this, in all of this, uh, I wish I had somebody today that could just say, in all of this. I don't know what your this is, but in all of this. You have strengthened my soul. Here is the upside of a disrupted faith. Ha! You'll come out better than you went in. You'll be stronger. You'll be wiser. You'll be better. What do you mean, preacher? David comes out with an indestructible confidence in God. He said, my enemies say that I have no Savior. <laughs> but look at the last verse. He said, but I know that I have one in you. Here's what I need you to get out of this. I'm moving out of your way. There is an upside to a disrupted faith moment. Just because your faith is being challenged. Come on in here, my brother. Come on in here, my sister. Just because you're in a place where your faith doesn't feel good. Don't you stop right there. As a matter of fact, if I could be honest with you, this is a mountaintop moment too. Yeah, it's good to be on the mountain where the Shekinah glory of the Lord is showing, like Peter was in Matthew 17. Yeah, that's beautiful. It's good for us to be here. Yeah, it's good for us. It's good to have all your bills paid. It's good to be healthy and strong. It's good for your car to be running well and your light bill to be low. It's good for folk on your job to be acting right. It's good for the marriage to be happy and the children to be well. But it's also good when it's not well, but the Lord makes it well with your soul. It's also good in the moments of disruption in your faith where your faith is being challenged to hold on and to trust and to believe in God. I wish I could preach sermons that would always tell you everything going to be all right. But that wouldn't be the truth. I have to tell you, sometimes your faith will be challenged.
you will move from moments of affirmation by God, anointed by the prophet Samuel, David was, assigned, appointed to be God's next king, victorious in battle when he annihilates God's adversary, Goliath. But yet, just a few days later, he is alone running from an assassin, feeling abandoned by God. There will be moments in your life where you'll be high. There'll be moments when you will seem to be low. But can I tell you, God is there. What do I need to do, preacher? I'm glad you asked. Have an intimate conversation and make your confession to God. That's what I need you to do, my brother and my sister who's listening to me right now. Talk it over with the Lord. Lord, this is how I feel. I don't know if I'm right or wrong about it. I'm just saying how I feel. I need to have an intimate conversation and confess some things to the Lord. But then in my intimate conversation and confession, I need to extend an invitation and say, God, come in here with me. If you don't bring me out of it, I'm cool with that. Just come sit with me. Would you walk through the valley with me? Would you come in my cave? You see, while David was running for his life, he had to hide. And when you find a hiding place, it's because God has provided it. But here's what David said, come search me, examine me, look at me. If I'm contributing to this in any way, tell me what it is. I'll, I'll do the best I can to fix it. And that which is not in my power, Lord, you take it over. He extends an invitation for God to come closer. Well, if you keep journeying with God, even in your disrupted faith moments, after you've had your intimate conversation with confession, after you've given an invitation for God to come closer, you'll have some insightful contemplation. You were there all the time. I wouldn't have made it to where I am if you had not been with me. And can I tell you, you'll come out with an indestructible confidence in God. You know, I I'll close right here, but I've seen too much that the Lord has already done for me not to serve him and trust him now. And what happens in our journey with God is we come out with an indestructible confidence, not in ourselves, but in the Lord. I want to pray with you right now. There's going to be a number on the screen. There's going to be a way to unite with this church. And after you have your intimate confession and conversation with the Lord, I want you to invite him to come closer into your life. I want you to begin this process of insightful contemplation to realize that it was God all the time. And then come out with an indestructible confidence that God can do anything but fail. Bow your head with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, there are some intimate confessions being made right now. There are people who are talking to you that we know nothing about. And I pray right now, God, as they have these intimate conversations and confession, that you'll hear them. Because, God, they've been wondering, where are you? Don't you see what's going on? Don't you see what's happening in my neighborhood? Don't you see what's happening, God, how I get laid off on jobs when other folk continue to get promoted? Don't you see this stuff? But, God, here's what I'd like for you to do as they have this conversation with you. 
They're going to give an invitation for you to come closer. Come close, God. Cover them with your love. Let them feel it, dear Lord. Wrap your loving arms around them. Breathe your life into our spirit. Bring light to our eyes in darkness. Don't give our adversaries the victory. They've already said we weren't going to make it, God. But Lord, you make them wrong. And then God, give us a moment of insightful contemplation where we can look back over our lives and see what you've already done. You've been there. Before I knew you, before I knew where you were and what you were doing, you already provided and taking care of me. Now, Lord, bring me out of this with an indestructible confidence in you. Lord, strengthen my soul. And no matter what others say about me, I know that you are my Savior. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. All of those who love the Lord said amen. My brother, my sister, I'm so glad that you tuned in today. I'm so hopeful that we'll have an opportunity to see each other soon. But as for now, I want you to continue to wear your mask, stay socially distanced one from another, even sometimes in our household that we have to do. Find a way to make sure that those hands are clean right as you put them together for prayer and know that God is there. Here's what I'd like to leave you with. We're going to see each other again. And when we see each other again, we're going to be fine again. And when that time comes, we'll share the love of God as he has kept us all and made us well. In Jesus' name, see you next Sunday at the First Baptist Church on Broad Avenue.